0: The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Happy Valentine's Day. Here's my card to you. I love you, okay? Be mine, sweetheart. I don't know. Uh, guys, if you, are gonna, if you don't have a card yet, good luck. So, here's what you're going to do this afternoon. You're going to get real sappy and you're going to write a love letter. You know that's always going to go get you more points in a Cardwood anyway, and it's cheaper. You know, but you better find some kind of chocolates. Probably the only thing you're going to find chocolate-wise right now at CVS or Walmart is going to be the little heart box that has you know eight pieces of candy. One of them is edible. Um, So yeah. (laughs) But uh, I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time here, like Ryan said, if you wouldn't mind filling out one of those guest cards, drop that in the giving station. On your way out, so we can get some information to you about who we are and uh, what we do and why we do what we do and, and how we do all of this, and uh, we'll get get all that taken care of. Uh, you saw our new service times; it's going to be exciting. March sixth coming up, and um, here we go. I'm looking forward to it. I know. Let me just say this: until then, we do have some extra seats at the nine o'clock service if you if you want to get up earlier. Um, just saying. But uh, there's a whole lot more parking and a lot more seats. Well, not a whole lot more. There's a few more seats uh, available at the nine o'clock. But in three weeks, we're going to do eight thirty, ten, and eleven thirty. So I'd like to welcome somebody. I um, say welcome home, but uh, this isn't their home. But we. Uh, we at Creek, we've been supporting um, Sebastian and, and Aaron Vasquez in Toronto, and uh, they're on sabbatical or furlough, and they're with us for several months. So would you guys stand up and wave at us and let us love you. Welcome home. <clears throat> Saba is one of the most brilliant people I know that has an ability to articulate the gospel in a way like I've never heard before. And as a result, what over twelve churches have been planted in Toronto um, through not you but the work you're doing. He, he's like I'm not taking credit for that, but he's very much involved with it. And uh, he's going to be training us on some discipleship and uh, helping us as a staff over the next several months. So I'm excited. I'm glad to have you. I know I know your family is glad to have you guys home. Um, all right. So we've been in Ruth. Oh, let me say this too. It, this week is my anniversary, so I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. I do anniversary, right, baby? Okay. Um, yes, February 18th, um, Heather and I's marriage will be 21 years, and uh, it's exciting. And uh, so, be be praying for us, not for the marriage, but uh, I got to be careful how I segue stuff. Uh, we are leaving Saturday. And we are going to Africa. So one of the other missions we support is in Rwanda, Gatenga, Rwanda. And several months ago, um, we shared with you some video and information. And uh, we've actually been helping a church planter in Rwanda. Several months ago, they launched the church in their house. He set out 40 chairs. He didn't know how many people were going to show up. And 150 people show up at their house. And uh, it hasn't gotten any smaller than that. So we jumped on board with them and we're, Creek, you're actually uh, paying the rent for their building. And so Heather and I get to be there for their dedication service next week. It's going to be so exciting. And then next uh, spring, uh, next February, early spring, we're doing a Creek trip. To Rwanda. So, if you want to go, um, start planning for that now. And uh, this spring, we're going to have an adoption Sunday, which what that means is in the area, Africa New Life is the organization we work with. They go into the area and they identify areas that they can start pouring in with the gospel, whether that's education, agriculture, medicine, government, and then eventually church planning. And so, they are in the process now of, of identifying kids for sponsorship. Um, to make available for us to sponsor. And Heather and I just two weeks ago started sponsoring our first child in Rwanda. And uh, we get to meet her this week and I'm so excited about that. I mean, it's, it's one thing to sponsor a child across the world and get a letter but to actually get to hug somebody that you're getting to pour into, um, there's just a connection like none other. And so this spring, you get the opportunity to uh, support some kids and sponsor some kids. And then next year, you can actually go and and spend time with them and meet their families and talk with them and see what see what, they, what they're all about. So Ruth chapter three, if you got your Bible, let's go to Ruth. Um, we've been going through... Uh, The study of Ruth, I love going verse by verse. It keeps us accountable to the context. Um, While you're going to Ruth chapter three, let me say hi to our Periscope family. Last week, we started live on Periscope. And um, yeah, welcome them. We love you Periscope people. We have several people in our church that can't get out on Sundays due to health issues or whatever it is. And so we make that service available for them. Um, And so if you miss, you don't even have to watch live at 1030. It stays up for 24 hours. Last week, we had a family home from Japan, uh, Creek family. We got to do their baby dedication. Um, As they head back, we actually did the math so they could be on Periscope. And they'll actually watch us Monday on Periscope because they're 14 hours ahead of us. So welcome, Periscope family. Um, It's awesome. I can help you get on it, but I can't tell you how to do it. And that's crazy. I'm not technically savvy. So just go to the App Store, search for Periscope. Follow the directions. If you have a Twitter account, it's easy. If not, you can use your phone number. I helped one of our elders get it set up last Sunday night. It's awesome. Um, so it's good stuff. So, Ruth chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back rows or back tables for you. If you don't own one, write your name in it. That's our gift to you. This is a story about redemption. And it's interesting as we've been tracking through it. Last week we saw where Naomi or Ruth went out into the field to begin gleaning and she happened to come across an area of the field owned by Boaz. And Boaz happened to be there and get a seer. What we learned last week, a big takeaway, is there's nothing accidental with God. God's always very intentional with everything he does. God doesn't waste anything. God has a purpose for everything he does. And in this story, um, we see that we're going to see and track through Ruth and her redemption and how she meets Boaz and ends up connecting with Boaz. And remember, Naomi is the mother-in-law. And Ruth followed her from, from Moab back to Bethlehem. And Ruth's out in the field. But last week, we talked about this important principle that God wants to change our heart before he changes our circumstances. What we're gonna see today is Naomi's heart has begun to change. She's gone from this perspective of just call me bitter to beginning to help Ruth connect with her Redeemer and pursue her Redeemer. And so we think this story of Ruth is all about a marriage account, between a foreigner and a devout Jew and how God brought them together and we see the marriage account because it's through their lineage that Jesus is born and Jesus is our redeemer. But this goes so much more. This is actually a picture of Christ's relationship with those who pursue him and those who belong to him and those who trust him. And what I love about Naomi in this is that she begins to see Her circumstances change because her heart changes. She goes from trying to survive and eke out a living to really getting in this mindset of thriving. She goes from grieving and saying, I'm just ready for God to kill me, take me home, I'm done, to actually beginning to serve Ruth and help her step into her destiny. And there's just something about it that happens. We find so much joy and satisfaction when we serve others. Even when our circumstances are difficult, Here's what I've seen when when God starts to change my heart in a difficult circumstance the circumstance may not change the situation may not change but what changes with my heart is the perspective of what's going on Na- Naomi is still in a grieving mode she still has every right to grieve both of her sons have died her husband is dead But yet she begins to see things from a different perspective because God starts working on our heart. And and when we we get into this, let me me just say this. Um, We're going to cover verse one through six today. And this is going to cover steps for us to take to pursue a deeper connection with God. Now, those of you who know me know that I get this cynical side and this sarcastic side and so when someone says, here are the steps to do this, I tend to get a little bit rigid with that, especially when it comes to God. That these are the steps that you take to get God to do this. And that God doesn't serve you. And here's what I've learned about God is, is with God, it's not always A to B to C to D to E. Sometimes it's A to G back, then to J, then to L, then to Z, and that's the way God works. And so, I'm not giving you a formula this morning. I'm giving you some practical steps that that we have to take to grow in a deeper connection to pursue our Redeemer. Because here's here's what I hear in church: I want to go deeper. And, and, and to me, when I yes and Amen. You need to be going deeper. I need to be going deeper. But here's here's where all of the responsibility in that statement falls, on you. Because see, I have a responsibility to teach you the word of God. I have a responsibility to draw closer in a relationship with Jesus in my life. I can't draw you closer to Jesus. I mean, it's the old adage, I can take a horse to water, but I can't make it drink. I can present, I can teach the truth and the beauty of God's word, but only you can receive it. I can't eat it for you. I can't receive it for you. That's just disgusting. When I said I can't eat it for you, I thought of birds, man. Like, and birds really freak me out. If you've ever been on this property about 5.30 um, during the Great Migration, you see the evidence in the parking lot, Right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. When you walk out, just look at the roof. I mean, it looks like it snowed. That's a bird. <laughs> if any of you have any help on bird abatement, anybody in here from the city of Fort Worth that can help a brother out? I mean, because I think it, I can get arrested by bringing a shotgun up here because I'm inside the city limits, right? Oh, but I hate those birds. They're the nasty. I better just stop because I'm about to preach against the birds and I, I want to preach Jesus. <laughs> 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 Dead birds. I can't feed you like a bird. That's just disgusting. But you want to go deeper. Yes, there are ways to go deeper. And there's things that you and I have to do to pursue a deeper connection with our Redeemer. And the problem is that a lot of us get too content sitting in church um, occasionally, living off of the leftovers, or just sitting around waiting for somebody to come and, and feed us or give us give us a handout. Remember in chapter two, Ruth chapter two, that Ruth would glean the leftovers in the field, and then she was dependent on the leftovers. And then Boaz, having pity on her, told his workers, said, hey, some of the bundles, some of the sheaves that you harvest, drop some extra for her. Too many of us are content in our relationship with Christ to eat off of the leftovers and sit around hoping somebody's going to drop some extra. There's no satisfaction in that. That's not going to get us there. We find our satisfaction and fulfillment when we're pursuing a relationship with Jesus. When we're, when we're seeking the giver, not the gifts. See, see, I also get frustrated because I see people pursuing Jesus for what he can give them. And Jesus, that, that's not gonna find fulfillment or satisfaction. Yes, if you're sick, he is the healer. He does supply our needs according to his riches and glory. And we should ask him for these things, but that's not what we seek. We seek him. You see, Ruth, when she would seek Boaz as her redeemer, all the benefits of the redeemer come with it. She's not seeking the gift. She's seeking the relationship. When we get the relationship, the benefits come with it. But we've got to be in that, that right mindset let me explain to you a term that 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 is. We're going to be spending some time in the next couple of weeks on. It's the kinsman redeemer, and Boaz is Ruth's kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer is the relative that can restore the, uh, and preserve the the full right back into the community. So uh, to explain this, and this concept comes from the Jewish tradition, but it also is an incredibly beautiful picture of Jesus. So what happens is you, you have Ruth that married Malan. Malan was Jewish. Malan was an Israelite. Ruth was a Moabite. So this marriage actually should not have taken place because they were outside of each other. They should not have communicated with each other. But isn't it beautiful how God just takes messes and makes beautiful things out of them. And so Malin, Ruth's husband, dies and she stays connected with Naomi and the only one who can redeem Naomi is a relative, a kinsman who is willing to be the redeemer and restore this person into the family. Now, this isn't getting all crazy like first cousin Jerry Lee Lewis stuff. Right. You, we were having a conversation about that in the green room before the first service. It, isn't it amazing how you get on some conversations? Um, some of y'all are like, How did you end up talking about that? Well, it wasn't because of Kinsman Redeemer, it was because of Adam's wedding coming up. So, <laughs> not that, and they're not related. I'm just, let me, let me help you. Because <laughs> if you walk in in the middle of a conversation, it get very awkward, right? But we're talking about Adam's wedding in the green room before services. And, you know, we're just, we're, we're giving them a hard time picking on them. And, and uh, I asked them, I said, do you want me to say if anyone has just cause for this man and woman not to be married, let him speak now or forever hold his peace. I don't normally say that because the only two reasons that somebody could stand up and legally interrupt a wedding is because one of them are already married or they're related. And I really hope to find that out before they're standing in front of me at the altar. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> How did I not see that coming? So yeah, there you go. That you just get a glimpse into the mind of Matt, and just we just yeah, crazy conversations. Um, But the kinsman redeemer is one who is in the family lineage that is willing to restore someone to the communal family. And for Ruth, that's Boaz. See, Ruth could marry any man, but only Boaz could be her redeemer. There's a lot of things we can pursue to try to chase satisfaction and chase meaning, but only Jesus can be our redeemer. Only Jesus can bring us back into the right relationship, into the right family relationship with God our Father. And Naomi gives some steps to Ruth in how this process happens. Here we go. Ruth chapter three, verse one. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be, may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were with? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. Okay, so here we've got a list of some things, and like I said, I kind of buck up a list, but let's, let's track through what Naomi is helping Ruth do. She's helping her pursue a relationship with her Redeemer. The first thing she says is go wash yourself. In in scripture, taking a bath usually preceded a special event. For most of us, taking a shower, it's not just a daily routine. Sometimes it precedes a daily, a, a special event. Like tonight's Valentine's, you may go shower before you take your wife out for Valentine's dinner. If you work in the yard at any point today, I hope you go shower before you take your wife to dinner. What Naomi is explaining to Ruth is that that you need to to clean up and prepare for a wedding. You need to wash yourself. And this this idea is is very big in Scripture because we need to wash ourselves to draw closer to Jesus. I mean, we we get stuff on us, We, we, we deal with stuff, we all struggle with sin. You struggle with sin, I struggle with sin, we're all going to deal with it. We're all going to struggle with areas that we fall short of the glory of God. And what we have to do is we have to come to Jesus and say, wash me, make me clean. In Psalm 51, we read that, he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. And verse 7 he says, Wash me with hyssop. Hyssop was used like soap, and I shall be clean. And you, when you wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. And there are things that we come to Jesus and we say, Forgive me. We go, we, Forgive me, Father. For I have sinned and he washes us. And I hear this term being washed in the blood. And for people who are outside of church or maybe you didn't grow up in church, then you hear this term washed in the blood. I watched a video this last week where they they asked non-Christians to explain Christian terms. It was quite interesting. When they said washed in the blood, they were like, oh, that's just disgusting. I mean, if you think about it, yes, it is. But when we say washed in the blood, it's the blood of Jesus that was poured out on Calvary. That when he shed his blood on the cross, it was that shedding of blood that can bring remission of sins, can bring forgiveness of sins, can bring a cleansing of our sins. So to say I've been washed in the blood means that the blood of Jesus has covered my sin and he makes me whiter than snow. He presents me clean before the Father. And there are times that I come to Jesus and I say, I need you to wash me. I need you to forgive me in the areas that I have fallen short, and any area that keeps me from the fullness of your glory, forgive me and cleanse me in that. And 1 John tells us that when we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from unrighteousness. And then there are times that I come to God. I'm like, God, cleanse me. And and here's what God says. Clean yourself up. You wash yourself. In in Isaiah, we see Isaiah give us word where he says, you've got to wash yourselves. Make yourself clean. Remove the evil deeds from before my sight. Cease to do evil. So so there's two kinds of washing we've got to deal with here. The One where we come to Jesus and say, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. And then there are times when our Father says, you clean yourself up. This is where we get into that issue of habitual sin, where we're addicted to the pleasure of sin, but yet we're overwhelmed by the guilt of the sin. And Jesus can forgive us, and he is faithful to forgive us, but there are times he says, would you just clean yourself up? I grew up on a farm and two older sisters and younger brother and my younger brother we could fight we could fight well and and there were times my mother would just kick us out of the house and you know we'd just go run around the farm and and we always had something with us i mean uh, but this particular day we had sticks and i don't know if they were our swords or our, our staff or what depends on what movie we were watching at the time but we had these sticks and and we had been fighting and i don't know who started it but i know how it ended Um, But we're walking through the pasture and we had a lot of cows on our farm. And we ended up getting into a fight with the sticks flinging cow manure at each other. (laughs) It was a crap load of fun, man. (laughs) So we head back to the house and I'll never forget my mother. when When we would make my mom really mad, she would like set her jaw. She' like, "What have you done?" And we're like, "We're not fighting anymore." And so she made us go to the basement to the laundry room, and then she pulls out the hose, which was on the side of the house, and she hoses the stuff off of us. And then she says, "Take off your clothes and you go get in the bath." She washed the, the big stuff off of us and then we had to go get in the bath and clean up the rest. You see, there's things that we've got to do. If we're going to draw near to the heart of God, there are things that we have to put off. There are things that we have to cease to do. Here's where the frustration happens in church when you try to do it without Jesus cleaning you, when you try to change your behavior without a relationship with a redeemer. Because what happens is you're gonna get frustrated because you can't manage your own behavior well enough to please anybody. And so you're gonna get so wrapped up trying to clean the stuff off of you and you've never allowed the redeemer to wash you. And you will end up frustrated because you will not find satisfaction in trying to clean yourself up. It's a both and. That we have to reach out to our Redeemer to cleanse us from all iniquity and we have to be willing to wash ourselves of the evil deeds that we get so wrapped up in. We have to purpose in our heart not to do it. And then she tells, Naomi, she tells Ruth, then anoint yourself. Go anoint yourself. Put perfume on. What would happen is the bride would anoint herself. She would put perfume and this would be done with very fragrant oils. An oil, an anointing of oil in scripture refers to the Holy Spirit. So this bride would present herself and want to leave a beautiful aroma in her groom's nostrils. She would want to be a fragrance that is pleasing to her groom. You see, you and I, we have to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our life. That it's not just, we don't just get cleansed, but we have to be anointed. See, we can clean up but then we want to be a beautiful fragrance. Too many of us spend so much time of our life wrapped up in sin, and we never pursue a deeper relationship with our Redeemer that we're always just in the washing mode. We're always just kind of washing and trying to wash, and then we're like, wait, I I just can't get it clean, and we keep washing. You know, we've got to move on from there to allow God to anoint us through the Holy Spirit. You see, you and I, when we give our life to Christ, when we become a Christian, when we're born again, when we're saved, we're given the Holy Spirit. Paul told the church in Corinth that it's God who establishes in us with Christ and gives us the Holy Spirit, that we are anointed through this Holy Spirit. And the Spirit puts his seal on us, And he's given to us as a guarantee, as a deposit for when Jesus comes back for his bride. The church is his bride. You and I, if we are in Christ, we are his bride. And we should have a fragrant aroma about us. That when he comes, just the senses are awakened through how we smell. Isn't it amazing how a smell can bring back a memory? I mean, it's just a good smell or a bad smell. A smell can trigger a memory. And we want to be a pleasing aroma. And that happens when we're anointed by the Holy Spirit. See, Paul said it's not a once and done thing. In Ephesians 5, he says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Let that oil just flow down so that as you move about your life, you are leaving a beautiful aroma and God is being glorified by what you do. It's pleasing to God. He can bless us. And and I hear people say, that that's just weird to me. I don't need the Holy Spirit. Let me help you with something. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is fully God, fully man, and came to earth and lived a perfect life and gave his life on the cross and was resurrected three days later. And in his life, he He knew he needed the Holy Spirit. If the God of the universe who wraps himself in flesh needed the Holy Spirit to endure life in the flesh, you and I, we absolutely have to have it. And then she moves on to some practical things. Naomi tells Ruth, change your clothes. See, I hear this from Heather. When I try to dress myself, <laughs> I walk out of the closet and she's like, that what you're wearing? No, I don't think I'm going to now. <laughs> I just get approval. I was like, what do you think about this and this? You know? Eh. I mean, and Heather and I were standing in our closet yesterday and we actually had a conversation about the man brain and the woman brain and pants. Because the pants that I find most practical and most comfortable, she says, are the worst things on the face of the planet. I'm like, but they're functional. They've got pockets. They stretch. They hide things. They conceal things. If I could wear those pants every day of the week, I would wear those pants every day of the week. And she's like, but they're ugly. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Men don't think pretty. We think functional. And I had to concede, okay, so I'm going to wear those pants because that's the woman brain pants. They're boring. You can't hide stuff in them. They don't stretch. But they're pretty. So I put on the woman brain pants. Today I'm wearing my preaching jeans. They are holy. I have jeans that are everyday jeans, and then there's preaching jeans. They're just a little bit nicer. <laughs> they were twenty-four ninety-five at Target instead of nineteen ninety-five. So only the best for the creek. But she is <laughs> Ruth, Naomi's telling Ruth to change her clothes. She's saying, Stop dressing like someone who is in grief. And start dressing like you're dressing for your wedding. Clothes are very important in scripture. In grieving, you would see, uh, you know, David, when King David would go into grieving, he would rip his clothes and he would put on sackcloth. That's a burlap cloth. And he would sit in ashes. And then when he was done grieving, he would get up, he would wash himself and he would change his clothes and say, I'm grieving no longer. Clothes are very important in scripture. With, with salvation, it's a picture of changing clothes. That we change the grave clothes for the grace clothes. That we put on the righteousness of Christ. That we put off the robe of the old self. Even in the very beginning, clothes were important. When you go back to the Garden of Eden, that Adam and Eve were without sin. They walked with God in the cool of the day. They were naked and felt no shame. And then they sinned. And they realize they're naked and they tried to cover themselves. And God shows up. He's like, what's going on? Why Why are you hiding from me? Like, well, we're naked and we were ashamed. Who told you you were naked? And you go through all of that. You deal with that in Genesis 3. But then the beautiful thing is this. God made Adam and Eve their first clothes. How did he make them? An animal died. Death entered creation because of sin And God made Adam and Eve clothes through the death of an animal. And the Redeemer is clothing us even still. See, when we give our life to Christ, it's Jesus who is the lamb that was slain so that we can have forgiveness of sin. And when we trust him as our Redeemer, then he clothes us in righteousness. He provides the holy righteous clothes. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 9, he said, let your garments always be white. So always be washed through the blood of the lamb and let no oil be lacking on your head. So the Holy Spirit never lack on your head, that you are clean and walking in the anointed and you're walking in the robes of Christ. Remember the prodigal son? That after he found himself in the pig pen and he gets himself up and says, I'm gonna go repent to my father. And he comes, his father sees him from a long way off. He runs at him. What does he do? He hugs him. He restores him. He takes his robe and he wraps it around him. He changes his identity with the clothes. So Ruth is changing from a grieving widow to someone who is dressing and preparing for her wedding. And then the interesting thing is, Naomi tells Ruth how to approach Boaz. She says, you know, he's going to be at the threshing floor. And when you go down, when he finishes eating and drinking, and lies down, observe where he lies down, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down at his feet and he'll tell you what to do okay now this just sounds weird she's telling her how to approach boaz as your her redeemer now this is the only way that ruth could approach boaz for him to understand that she's calling on him as redeemer it's customary now ruth if she didn't do it the exact way that naomi had told her boaz would be confused i mean maybe she she could have been on the way to the threshing floor and gone. you know what I really don't want to lay by his feet. I've washed. I've put on perfume. I've changed clothes, but he's working. He's going to be sweaty. And I don't, man, his sandals may stink. And the thought of uncovering those feet and laying my head beside of stinky feet, I don't like feet smell. I'm telling you, man, when I was in youth ministry, we played a game and this girl had to take off her shoes and I I was gagging. I have a low gag reflex, and I can't stand foot smell. I was gagging. I'm trying to do the game. I wasn't the youth pastor yet. I was just in the game, and the youth pastor is over there. He's talking. I've got this microphone. I'm like, <laughs> I, was, I just handed him the microphone. I walked off. I was like, see, I can't do that. That's disgusting. Why, why don't we change this from a youth game to a foot washing service? Because she needs it Bad. If your feet stink, I sympathize with you. Get some help. But or if you're around me, keep your shoes on. I ain't spending 20 bucks on that story. Never mind. Some of y'all know what that is. If you don't know what that is, if I tell a story on my family, without permission, it costs me 20 bucks. I just saved myself 20 bucks and a whole lot of grief. So, But... Ruth had to put herself at the feet of her her redeemer. Naomi is this is the instruction. You put you present yourself at the feet of the Lord of the harvest and he will take care of the rest. <coughs> this is an absolute sign of humility that when we approach Jesus, we approach in humility. Yes, Hebrews tells us that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence but we don't approach it with pride. We approach with humility because if we're prideful, God sets himself against us. God abhors, God hates the pride. But if we are humble, he says in James, if we're humble before the Lord, then he will lift us up. He will exalt us. And so we present ourselves to the feet of our redeemer as an act of worship. Worship. And an act of humility and let him draw us up. Let him take it from there. I love the imagery that that Naomi is saying because Boaz is the Lord of the harvest. He's threshing in the threshing floor and she presents himself. And she says, when you present yourself to the Lord of harvest, he'll do the rest. See, Jesus told his disciples, he says, look, the fields are white with harvest. There are souls, there are lives that are ready to be saved. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send workers into this field. He didn't, the instruction was humble yourself and pray to the Lord of the harvest and let him do the rest. You know what's incredible about the creek? It takes over 100 volunteers a weekend to do what we do. We launched with 27 people. When I see what God has done at the creek with exponentially more people that serve than launched the church, I'm, I'm humbled, I'm blown away by it and i don't believe in guilting you to serve or or just you know just pushing and pushing and pushing you to serve you've got to do it out of obedience to the lord but here's here's my responsibility and here's what i tell the staff we pray to the lord of the harvest we humble ourselves we seek his face we pray that he sends the right hands and the right heart into this harvest field because here's what i know The field is ripe with harvest in Fort Worth. There are hundreds of thousands of people who don't have a relationship with their Redeemer. And I don't know if we're called to reach them all or just glean parts of the field. You know what? I don't care. I want to see people engage in the life-saving mission of the gospel. And so if you serve here at the creek, you are prayed in. So many of you last week signed up to serve, and, and men, thank you for serving on the parking team. Thank you for doing that. You may have felt like you got wrestled into it. you were prayed in. <laughs> now your wife might have signed you up, <laughs> but we prayed you in. So many people are engaging in serving in our children's ministry. I'll give you a preview of the State of the Union State of the ministry address that's coming in a couple weeks. For 2016, our budget for child care is $27,000. That's what we spend on child care. And a bulk of that happens on Sunday morning. But so many of you, because you've been prayed in, are stepping in to help bring relief in that area of budget so we can spend it in other areas. Thank you. I'm not going to guilt you into serving kids. If you're not called to serving kids, you don't need to be in there. You will create a mess. You will get burnout. And here's what I've seen in the past. You will walk away from church. Because burnout people walk out. So we pray to the Lord of the harvest. And the next step is what you've got to do. It's obey. What I love about Ruth in this, and the reason I went all the way to verse six, is see in verse five, she said, all that you say I will do. Now, if you have teenagers, you understand this, this, this disconnect. Because as a parent of a teenager I can say this is what I want you to do do you understand what I'm saying to you I can text it to you just to be clear it's on your Facebook wall I tweeted it I got your chore list down under 140 characters are we clear uh huh I'm gonna do that I'll do that dad I gotcha love you brother An hour, two hours later, hey, did you get that done? What? (laughs) What are you talking about? You never asked me to do it. What are you You know that disconnect, right? (laughs) Obedience in word only gets you so far. It's obedience in action. Because Ruth just didn't say, all that you say, I will do. Verse 6, so she went down to the threshing floor and what? Did just what her mother-in-law had commanded her. She stepped in obedience. See, James told us that we're not just to be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. This is a disconnect of so many people and where so many people miss out in a depth of relationship with their redeemer because of their unwillingness to humbly obey. That I I hear what you're saying, but I'm not willing to do that. But I still wanna be deeper. I still wanna draw closer. I want the benefits of the redeemer relationship But I'm not willing to obey everything he says because we know this, that God cares more about our character than our comfort. God wants us to be holy over happy. And so when he challenges us and he speaks to us in his word and he brings revelation, he's saying, this is what I'm I'm showing you to do. And we say, that's good, God, that's good. I like what you're saying. I love what you're saying, God, I'm in. and then we sit the obedience is doing what we're commanded to do like I like what you're saying I'm all in but I'm not willing to do it there was a verse God gave me before I went into ministry not before I launched a church before I went into ministry because I've got to tell you something I did not want to go into ministry I didn't I grew up in church. I've been hurt in church. I've been burned by church. I walked away from church. And the last thing I wanted to do was go into ministry dealing with the church. And I couldn't shake it. And this verse, Isaiah 119, is what God put in my mind. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. I had to get to a place where I was willingly obedient. See, I can, when, when, I, when my kids were younger, I can't make them do anything now, but when my kids were younger, I could make them obey me. I could make them clean their room. I could go in and stand there and pick up that toy, put it on the shelf, make your bed, pick up those clothes that are on the floor, put it in that hamper. I could make them be obedient, but I couldn't bring willingness to their life. I could bring discipline. I could bring accountability, but I couldn't make my kids willing. The willingness has to come from you. When you decide you want to go deeper in a relationship with our Redeemer, that has to come from you. I can't make it happen. Here's what, I will promise you this, and I will stand before God and give account of this, of the quality of food I put out in front of you. God's not gonna ask me how many of the people of the creek that he let me lead went deeper in a relationship with him. He's gonna say, how good a food did you put out? And I'm gonna be able to stand before him and say, you know what? every jot, every tittle, every bit of truth in this word I put before your people so that they would pursue a relationship with you that is greater than anything that could ever imagine and more fulfilling than anything that we'll ever find in all of creation. Father, that's all I've got. See, Ruth has a Boaz as her redeemer. You and I have a man named Jesus who is our redeemer. And in order for redemption to happen for Ruth, she had to present herself to Boaz. In order for you and I to have redemption in life, we have to present ourselves to Jesus. And if you've never done that, my challenge to you this morning is humble yourself at his feet. He'll wash you. He'll anoint you. He'll change you. All you have to do is present yourself at his feet and obey what he tells us to do. If you've made that confession of faith, then how's it going for you in your pursuit of our Redeemer and his righteousness? How's it going for you in seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that all the other stuff will be added? If it's not going well, let me call you back to these simple, these five simple things. Ask him to cleanse you. Ask him to anoint you and change your clothes. Approach him with humility and worship and then do what he says. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for the truth of your word. I thank you that you are our redeemer, that you did everything. You moved heaven and earth to be our redeemer, to bring us back into relationship, to restore us of everything that was lost, to redeem our past, to redeem our present, to redeem our future. And Father, I pray if there's anyone in this room that has never presented themselves at your feet and asked you to be their redeemer, I pray you give them the courage to say, Jesus, I need you to wash me. Forgive me of my sin. And help me to even wash areas of my life that need to be washed anoint me so that the life I live is a beautiful fragrance before you. Clothe me in righteousness and I will follow you as my Lord and my Savior. Father, for those that may have prayed that either just in listening to my voice, if that's their prayer, Give them the courage to speak to one of our prayer team to fill out a connect card to say, I've I've met my Redeemer. If you're watching online, send us an email because here's what I know. We're not designed to walk this alone. We want to walk it with you. If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you made that faith profession in your life, but maybe you're just not living it, maybe you've let your circumstances overwhelm you, then I, I just pray, Father, right now for those in this room, every one of us, that we draw into you with the passion and a desire that we've never had before. And I pray that it's not just a fire that burns hot for a while, but it is a a, a passion that begins to well up and is a sustaining fire in our pursuit for you. For some of us, call us back to washing. Call us back to anointing. Help us understand that we're clothed with righteousness. Father, help us to walk in obedience to you. We love you, and we thank you, and we give you the glory for this. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.